0: What do you think of the setup, Kenny? This, this is nice, right? It's different, looks different cool, the, man. I like the what you live did. switcher. This is cool, man. Let's yeah, go.
1: Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, we're ready to go if you want to go. Yeah, I, I can open this up. Let's right, do it up. Let's do it. All right. Mic check, one, two. You ready, Sonny? I'm ready. Let's do this, man. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your co-host here, Kenny Buller, on Second Floor Podcast with your boy, Cassius, and after... God knows how long now We have A very special guest Ready to shake it up With us on the podcast Uh, We have the one And only Sunny Sekon uh, Who recently Has been Nominated and awarded top 40 under 40 for Edify Magazine. Huge accomplishment, sunny Congratulations! As well, you know, sunny has been on our radar for honestly a couple years. Like I've, I've I've been blessed to have uh, sunny got brought to my attention back in uh, my corporate days with Telus, where you were highly involved with PBHL. And uh, at that time, there was lots you were able to do for me. You didn't even know who I was, but. Uh, it's, it's a huge testament sunny, to your character, especially with the things you're involved in now. You know, you've been able to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for free play for kids. I'm super excited to get into that. Have our audience know uh, just a whole lot more of how you're involving kids at such young ages to be a part of organized sports for free. And, you know, I'm a big, huge fan of getting kids and anyone involved in playing, involved in some sort of extracurricular recreational sport, um, you know, for one, to stay out of trouble, but two, to know what it's like to be on a team and know what it's like to move your body you know so you know you're part of that and then there's this whole retail side to you you know that that's something that i'm excited to learn more about where you've been you know working at a high level with henry singer you got to work with uh many people especially on the oilers roster to get them suited and booted um especially for their conferences and just overall man i'm just excited to get to know you this is very long overdue
2: and we're excited to have you man thank you for the intro i appreciate it um really nice Really nice words. I'm super excited to be here as well. I've listened for years. Um, and yeah, you guys are, uh, the last three, or four episodes have been really fire. And like you reaching out, I was like, oh, this is like, I- I'm pumped. So um really happy to be here and dive into it as well. Thank you, man. Um, I'm gonna steal this off of uh,
1: Grant Cardone's brother. He had Patrick Bet David on recently. And we're big fans of him. Oh. And he just started the podcast with this question. I'm gonna ask you it. Sure who are you? Like, who is Sunny Seikon? When, 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 when you get asked that, or when you think about that question, how would you answer it?
2: Um, the, the answer I think I've used in the last two weeks because I have been asked it a lot is what I would, uh, run with probably for the rest of my life is I, I describe myself as Edmonton's biggest fan. Um, you know, I think, uh, if you look at, the things I've been involved with professionally and as a volunteer, um, they're all things that like touch my heart, but like also that I can like leverage to show off like the city that I grew up in and love and has given me everything. Um, Yeah, and I I think I would go with that. And behind that, like, you know, I'm gonna lead with my values, like loyalty and passion, persistence. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I would say that's, how I uh, would describe myself. My wife, when I asked her to, to do my two-line sum, uh, summary, she said, uh, Sonny, big hair, bigger heart. <laughs> so I, I laughed, I thought that was pretty funny too, but uh, I like mine better. I love that, man. I agree, keep it. Yeah. Some
1: nice hair you got
0: going
2: on. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Bro. Got the flow, got
1: the flow, man. I find that, uh, you know, being that you're such a big fan of Edmonton, I'm guilty of this, where growing up, especially in college, you 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 want to escape you want to go bigger you want to at that time i feel like edmonton was even in a different place than it is now because it's ever evolving i just want to know like what advice would you give to that college student or just anyone that wants to leave edmonton and they always feel like edmonton's that underdog they they I don't know if these days you guys see the TikTok comments where people are like, ha, 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 ha in Edmonton? What's what's in Edmonton? It's Edmonton. <laughs> and like, it just always having that facade of, you know, it, it, is it really a city? Like, what would you have to say to that? With the success you've been able to attain, Sunny, in this city, but even success aside, like how happy you are. Like you literally say like, yo, like I'm I'm ready, I'm ready to rep my, my city, like it, it's my very own child. So when someone says they wanna leave here, what would you say to convince them
2: otherwise? Well, I think what I have said and what I'll continue to say is like I ask them why, like like why or why do you want to leave? Like you're born and raised here. You have this perception that you know New York and LA because you know you see LeBron throwing down the dunks, or you get to see like whatever uh, the latest trend is happening in New York, all the of the major players and that doesn't mean that that's gonna be your version of that city. That doesn't mean that if you show up there that you're gonna have those experiences. Like it's a dog eat dog there. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't challenge yourselves and chase your dreams, but like um, if you're after a certain something, like you can be that change here, right? Like if you want uh, those things, why not be the person that makes it happen in Edmonton, right? Like uh, for you, like you just open like uh, Bravé and you've got a a studio here, right? Like. Part of you probably would have wondered like well maybe if i move to like somewhere where there's a higher concentration of uh, people doing this sport it's easier but like you had something that kept you here uh you're going to be part of the change you're part of the fabric of our community and you're going to level it up um so that's you know kind of how i've always taken it like i think a lot of people will talk and like you know they'll have their pieces quietly and then uh, i've always tried to be someone that um i'll just do what i have to do to try and make it what I want it to be. Right. And, you know, I, I also recognize that maybe my version of Edmonton isn't for everyone, but I work pretty hard at like trying to make everything that I do from the brick tournament to anything, uh, something that would hang anywhere in the world. So uh, that's what I would say. Just you could be part of leveling us up.
3: Great stories are timeless. To be a great storyteller, one must bridge the gap between an alluring narrative and the audience, to pull with the heartstrings and to shape the imagination. At Q Films Media, we are more than just a media production agency. We are a powerhouse of creative individuals, content creators, who specialize in telling great stories. Stories that are intimate and kept closest to the heart. Stories that are powerful and inspiring, that spark boldness and action. We are Q Films Media. We're here to tell your story. We are Always Unseen.
1: that's awesome man and I feel I feel that in in how you go about things and how you move because it's like you know that whatever it is you're doing you're just trying to make whatever is being done better you know and I find that I know I can speak on my behalf I don't know how you feel about this because Cassius and I <laughs> he, him too he's like yo man I'm going to Cali I'm going to wait till that moment I'm going <laughs> to wait till I get to my moment in my business well, I'm off to Cali right and I can tell you this right now. Sunny's right. I did have that moment in my life. Where I'm like bigger city, more people, more opportunity. But then it's like, wait a second. If I go to another city, I'm immediately a nobody. If I factor in what I've done and I look into my own reputation, and and I do my own, as Sima Masi would say, biodata. Right. Like if I looked into my <laughs> own biodata, and I looked into like, okay, like who am I really? I'm known for doing jujitsu. I'm known as a martial artist, I'm known as someone who, who likes to be involved in community building. I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't take that leap of faith and run my own dojo, academy, fitness center in my community, you know? And it, it's it's nice when you can, in a way, this sounds kind of unorthodox, but like not surprise people with your moves. Like based off of your reputation, have people in your own community look at you and go, this makes sense why you're involved in this. Mm-hmm. You know, based off what you've preached, based off what you've done in life, That this is what makes you who you are. And I want to know, because I'm looking from the outside in, when I see your jump, Henry Singer, you know, GM, involved in like, from what it seems like, you know, a very high-end retail establishment to non-for-profit organization, let's help kids out. I- I'm wanting to know, especially for our audience, like, what were other things going on in your life cuz obviously that's not just who you are mm. you're not just defined by the the, the job you have but what kind of led you down this path of
2: like holy shit i'm i, I i'm dedicating my life right now to helping kids mm. um honestly it was when uh everything changed when we found out that we were having a kid and so i've never hid the fact that Uh, You know, we got married and I think like everybody that wants to have kids, you get married, you think this is okay. We decided we want kids. We're going to have kids. That wasn't the case for us. And so, you know, for several years, we didn't think we would have kids. So we've not hidden the, you know, the fertility treatments, going through that whole process, uh, the mental strain, the stress, the cost. Uh, We're all we're lucky that we're in a position we can do those things. And then when finally you know and i was i was vulnerable i share this with my clients who become friends my family uh when we finally became when i announced that we were expecting um, you know i had the benefit of serving like the absolute top tier of edmonton and I, i don't mean to like blow smoke up asses but like these are city shapers literally like the guys that are putting up the towers the guys that are winning the nhl awards so I respect everyone's time and opinion but something that was quite common was that they would make a point of saying they don't regret much in life other than when they were around my age in the early times when they had that their, their first kids, they were so focused on what life could be like for that child 5 years, 10 years, 20 years down the road that they lost the first few years. And so I'll never forget, I had a client who's in real estate and he's like, you know, I remember like I missed like my baby's first steps for like a deal that paid me 5,000 bucks. And it's like, and now like this guy's making millions of dollars a year. He's like, you know, you don't even know what I would pay to. And so it was like this resonated with me. So it was in the back of my mind just because I love retail, but it's hard, right? Like, and if you want to do it well, it's even harder, right? Like you can't, you know what it's like if you've got clients, like a client texts you you don't have to respond outside of store hours, but that's a differentiator, right? Like they know that I will, so they they're loyal with me. So it's like you know you're 24 hours a day. Um, and I took my month off when Banner was born. Thought I was good. Went back and I was like, you know what? This isn't working. I kept hearing these voices. I'm like, so I didn't know. Honestly, in the beginning, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I left. I knew about free play. I've been very involved in nonprofit fundraising. I've like, again, raising for different community organizations. I've always coached hockey. Um, I've believed in giving back that way. Um, And sport in general, I just think is like the best thing for kids. That's my opinion. And so when I saw this and I saw what they were doing and my perception of what free play actually was completely changed. Um, Yes, we're a charity and we're a nonprofit, but I also see them as like, almost like a startup that's disrupting and like could scale and do really cool things. You saw the potential for sure. And so I, I dove in and like I think your comment on like outwardly, I think people that knew me at like first glance as the guy at Henry Singer were like totally shocked. But like when I told my wife and like the people that like know me the best, there wasn't any surprise. They're like, like my wife was like, you raise like how much money off the side of your desk? Like my side hustle doesn't pay me any money. My side hustle was helping causes. So it's like, why wouldn't you try it? And so, um, so I did that. And then it also became a bit easier because the Singer family's really good. And obviously I was there a long time. So they made it work for me so that I'm not there. I'm not running day to day. They're not paying me a salary, but like obviously I've built a book there. And so if a client wants to shop, I'll make an appointment. We go in, we do our thing. That's awesome. It's a win-win for everyone. I still get to like, you know, I still love clothes. I love fashion. So uh, I kind of get the best of both both worlds, you know, and I get to continue to serve some of those clients that meant so much for me for over over a decade. So, wow, long-winded answer. Sorry. No, No, that's awesome. I think, I mean,
0: kudos to you because, I mean, obviously that sort of pivotal decision in your life isn't easy by any means, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to spend more time with their kids if they have the opportunity to do so? And not only that, but to make that conscious decision of saying, you know what? I want to change this so I can have more time, have more flexibility in my schedule. Because that could have been a moment where you could have just said that you could have let that thought pass and say, you know what? I'm good here. I'm making good money. I got good clientele. Things are rolling. Things are all right. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that month. All right. You know? And I'm sure a lot of parents probably went through that where, you know, they probably thought about that and they they don't have maybe they didn't make that step or maybe they, they just let that thought pass and say, you know, I, I'm i okay, you know, making good money, got to provide, you know, we got to provide for our families, right? So we might not have that choice or we might not have the confidence to make that choice and to change and pivot. So much,
1: much respect, uh, Sonny, on that.
0: Man,
2: on I appreciate it. Yeah. I yeah. agree.
1: Like, that's that's beautiful, man. Like, first and foremost, like, congratulations to you and your wife on on having a baby. That's a Thanks. true blessing. And that's not an easy feat when you're against all odds and having one in the first place and that that must there must be so much like emotions behind that where you recognize like okay here here we are like trying 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 and failing and failing and failing and then going over every possible way to make it happen and then it happens then of course yeah there is no wonder where why you kind of look at it like okay well we brought this this human into this world I'm going to do whatever it takes now to, to, to be a part of its life, to be a part of all of its moments. Right. So I, I think that's, that's very awesome because I think we appreciate more of the things in life that we know how hard it was to get, you know, like, and that's not everyone's uh, story. Right. For others, I can imagine it's like, Oh yeah, like we're pregnant and it's so easy. And I'm sure like, even just hearing that's like, Oh, like good for you guys. Like, we're still trying, don't rub it in our face. And not that like, yeah, you, it's not that you're meaning to come off that negative. And I'm not even saying that that's how you come off, but I've had clients, I've known people that have struggled with the same thing. And then when you really peel away the layers, like it's, that's not easy.
2: Yeah, like like being completely transparent, like it, it was hard, right? Like uh, in that span from when we got married to when uh, we had banners. So two and a half, three year period, like my sister on our wedding day, found out that she was pregnant with their first caser. So, of course, that's the first one in our family, my my wife's family. So we're pumped, like over the moon, so happy. And then we're not ready to try. And then we start trying. And then my brother in law and uh, Aaron, they have they're pregnant with their first. And then, you know, now it's like I can see it. uh, And my negative feelings at first started coming from like Kayla, because like, you know, Kayla was taking it on as like, what's going on? Is this going to happen? to then like our niece Molly is born super happy. And then my sister is like, and it's exactly what you said. It's like, Oh, well we weren't expecting this one. And it's like, but they don't, they're not aware. Right. And, yeah, and, fair. and, uh, I was really proud of my wife because she, um, uh, you know, it's not something that I think people think about till you're in it, like infertility, IVF, all this stuff. Um, and you know, I feel like it's still like kept quiet. And so people don't know how to talk about it. So Kayla was like pretty open about it. And like, Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting and uh, different time, but yeah, super blessed and not, not, uh, regretting any choices for, uh, to make time for the family for sure. Totally.
1: And it's like, it's interesting when you notice that such subjects are so taboo, first and foremost, it's not something like we get taught in school that, right? Like if we're talking sex ed, I think that should be taught, Mm -hmm. right? Is, Hey, there's a likelihood it might not be you guys, or it could be someone, you know, but they're gonna have a tough time having a kid. How do you go about that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And then like, I think especially as grown men, this is kind of more of a macro level of when a man is talking to another man. A comedian said this. It was like, it was like you know, he's, he's like, men's mental health week, month. He's like, it's a hoax. He's like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. He's like, cause you out here with the boys and you're like, hey guys, I'm feeling pretty sad today. Like, it's like, things are going on. And your boys are like, yo, man, like, slap another beer. Or, like, or they're just like, oh, man, like, don't say something silly. Like, oh, man, don't, don't stop crying about it. Especially, like, in a in a group guy setting. But it's like, I am all about, man, like, whether you're, like, any man, any woman, anybody. Like, if you're going through something like this, like, acknowledge it. Because sure. I think we're so quick to kind of brush it under the rug. And, like, I think we need to recognize how hard something is for somebody, right? So, agreed. man, good for you guys for having that. Like that's, and then for continuously trying yeah, and not giving up, you know? Um, I wanna kind of segue into uh, some tips that you can provide on um, raising money and raising funds. Um, there's so many ways I wanna go around this topic because first and foremost, it's sad. We're living in a time right now where you do a fundraiser and you, you start raising a lot of money and it raises a lot of concerns from people. Uh, this is generally, I noticed, Oprah and the, and the and the Rock are prime examples. They do something good for the community. They're supporting Maui. It goes back to their own culture, and people go. Don't donate. It's going straight to their pockets, and they start getting a little skeptical. We talked about this one episode, right? Yeah, me and Sunny actually talked about this before you came.
0: There you go, yeah. right? So it's a hot topic. Yeah, right? it is a hot topic.
1: For but sure. then on the other end, it's like, okay, so how can we not only like verify and legit legitimize this, but also how can we get to a point where we can continue to raise more funds against the grain of people. Having skepticism around where their money should be donated
2: to, and I, I'm curious to know like how you manage to do it all. Um, it's a great question, and I think if someone can actually have the bulletproof answer, that person's going to be the best fundraiser in history. But <laughs> I think you got to start by knowing and acknowledging, and this goes back to what we were talking about that like, no matter what you do, no matter what you're raising for, someone is going to have a negative opinion, right? Um, you know, with The Rock and Oprah. I listened to that pod and familiar with the situation and Oprah's worth 1.5 billion, the rock 500 million and they donated 10 million bucks. So super easy to sit there and say that this is like less than half a percent of their combined net worth. Right. And sure, make that criticism. But if you're going to make that criticism, look into what else are these people funding? Like, are you aware that Oprah is like the largest donor in the United Negro College Fund history? Are you aware like these people, Whether I always used to get into these arguments with my dad, like when you're on that level, when you've got three commas in your net worth, like you're giving more money away than people will ever fathom, whether you want to or not, because the people that are working for you are doing this. They're going to ask you what you care about and they're going to give the money away for you because at some point it makes uh, sense for your estate, right? Um, So don't start unless you have a thick enough skin to know that. Someone's going to say something. You know, we connected a little bit with Sonny Brar like during the farmers' protests. I worked with uh, Raman and we made T-shirts. 100 T-shirts, I think we like raised 3,000 bucks. And I said, I, I remember being on a podcast and I said, the money, this is going to do nothing. Like, like you're 3,000 bucks, absolutely nothing if you actually look into what you're going up against. It's more about awareness. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I ended up writing an opinion piece for Boz because people are like, and so I like call, like, what's, what's your MO here? And I'm like, if I wanted to make 3000 bucks, I would like, instead of doing this for two days, I would have just done my job. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Like, you know, <laughs> like, you
2: know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like yeah. so that's step one, don't do it without a thick skin. And then if you are going to raise funds, like, you know, there's, I say this in every meeting I take, like there's an infinite cause competing for finite dollars. So like go into it with passion, like because your passion will ring through. Like if you're raising money for something that's just paying you, they'll know that, right? Like if you're doing something for the right reasons, that's like, I don't go in with a pitch deck. I'm not like, I go in and I have a conversation about impacting 4,500 kids' lives. Very easy for me because I don't feel like I'm selling. I feel like I'm telling you about something you should know about and then off I go, right? Um, So that, be picky in what you're doing, Um, disrupt, Um, you know, when we did North of Lipsky, which was our Movember fundraiser, we, over the course of like seven years, raised almost a million bucks. We were top team in Canada every year and top in the world one year. And we did something like we did a black tie event, but we like made fun of black tie events. So like we had like black tie pizza parties and like (laughs) black tie barbecues and we just threw like ragers. Um, so that matters because if you do the same thing every time, you'll get the same result. Um, and you, you can't be afraid to have people say no, cause it's gonna happen. And um, again, you just have to, as long as it like what you're doing and what you're raising for aligns with your moral compass, you'll, you'll have success. And, but I think for a lot of people, that's probably the hardest part is picking the right one. So yeah.
0: Sonny, do you, uh, like, uh, because I have like zero experience in in fundraising, I know you've done a little bit in the past, but do you find there's a lot of like, I guess, uh, skepticism or when you start a fundraiser, do you feel like there's a lot of hoops you have to go through in order to kind of make it, I guess, quote unquote, legit and make it appear the way you want it to appear, like authentic and true and and whatnot. Cause I have no, again, I have no clue, I have no experience in the space. I'm just curious to know.
2: I think, yeah, in the beginning of any new venture, you're going to have those challenges and people, again, you're trying to convince people to give time, money, and effort to your cause. Uh, so you're always gonna have those skeptics. And I think in the early stages, anything I've done, I've relied heavily on a network I've built through just being myself in other arenas. Um, I think more than that, you're just going to – the realities of fundraising will hit you before any of that, which is like you're competing against charities that are doing what you're trying to do and in some cases on levels like you're aspiring to do 10 years down the road. So you're like, how do I carve a piece out of that? So I'll go into, again, many pitches right now. And what I like to arm myself with is – because I sat on the other side of the desk. When I was at Henry Singer, I was the one that heard all the pitches. And so – and I am i never hide that we donated to the same three causes that probably 80 to 90% of businesses here do. They're all great. I'm never going to sit here and say we shouldn't have a standalone stallery. I'm never going to say anything about the hospital. What I will point out all the time is, because this is all public, you know, some of these charities have $92 million on, like, under management. Some of these charities have marketing budgets that would exceed what our overall operating budgets are so at a certain point it's like are you actually still supporting the mission or are you just on board with their marketing so i try and i try and show like the value that like a ten thousand dollar donation would have and the impact it would the number of kids it would touch in something like us versus like what it might be over there and i'm not trying to say like someone shouldn't support the stallery or Ronald McDonald House, uh, Winifred Stewart, all amazing causes. But if I got to have someone and they got I got to make the choice for them, of course I'm going to argue for the kids that we're fundraising for, right? Because that's where my purpose is aligned right now. But that's uh, just fighting those marketing budgets is a bigger challenge than starting something new, I think.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
2: It's like if I could flip this while you were talking, I don't know if this is going to make sense out loud,
1: but it's like, if you were, let's say, you loved, you loved, uh, you know, building suits for people so much, and let's say, like, you started doing it for kids who who are underprivileged, they can't afford suits, and you're doing it for them out of the goodness of uh, your heart, and it's all free. But then the money is coming in through some other source, and then one day someone sees you eating, they just see you eating, and they're like, "What are you doing, eating?" Where'd you get? where you get that? How are you eating right now? Like, how'd you how'd you afford to get that food? Mm. And then you're at a fancy restaurant, let's say, and you're like, "Well, let's do the work I do." So, what kind of work you do? Oh, I help, help kids, you know, fit into suits, or better yet, I help them, you know, with uh, free play for kids. I help them do their sport activity, and they go, "Well, shame on you for being in a fancy restaurant eating." And then, and then now all of a sudden you're like, "Well, what do you mean?" It's like, "Well." that's money that you're getting from the organization and you call it your work and here you are eating in a fancy restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the very tough part right now about when people see the type of work someone does that's philanthropic in design where it's for the goodness of, of, uh, of, of our society and it's for people that are underprivileged. But then you now have to be careful to some degree, because of people's opinions on on how you're viewed in the limelight and, and how you use that spotlight. That's not my opinion. I think it's like, at the end of the day, that's your work. And now, from looking at it in the grand scheme of things, these organizations, they have to pay their people who are now spending their lifetime, their work, to do this. And they have to now cut them a specific cut from the big piece of the pie of people now paying for this. So it's kind of unique. I loved how you mentioned that, where when you look at kind of like the behind the scenes, you break down how a charity is organized. You look at, wait a second, how much of my money is going to the people? And I I think it's so important because for me as a person that's donating, if I just hear from you like, hey, it's impacted this many people's lives, and I love how on your guys' website, like, it shows percentages Mm -hmm. of like, hey, 98% of the kids that are enrolled are now getting better grades. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just breaking down statistics of, this money has gone towards this many people getting help, and, and here's how it's impacting their life.
2: Yeah, it's uh, like KPIs, right? Like, I, you know, at Singer, you have your that's programmed in the back of my brain, like how many units per transaction was the dollar size. Um, so I like that about Free Play. Like, we have data that helps us, like, showcase who we are. Uh, again, it goes back to, like, yeah, it, I mean, I can tell you, like, like, complete honesty here. Like uh, we were talking before about cars. So I work at a nonprofit with the average age of our staff, 19 to 21. So younger kids. So I roll in in a Model 3 Tesla. It's a $50,000 car. It's a nice car. It's not anything extreme. Um, I'm, you know, 37 years old and in my own team, you know, people are like, whoa, maybe we should be doing like what you're doing. And so I'm like, I like I remember the kid that said this to me. I was like, "You do know that I spent like 13 years in like a very private career before I came here, right?" Um, so in your in your case with like someone at the restaurant, like you're going to get that, right? And, you know, if someone said that to me at an actual restaurant, I just ignore it, go on. Yeah. But we do get those questions, right? And but I, I I a client of mine once told me my best trait was radical candor. I'll tell you what you probably don't want to hear, but I'll say it nicely. I'll smile. In that case, I have nothing to hide. Like we're a registered charity. You want to know how much money I make? You can you literally pull it up, yeah. you know? And we operate super lean. We're we're a charity that's uh under seven uh under ten percent of our revenue goes to like admin costs, which is like gold standard, right? And then I'm, you know, like with my buddies, I'm like, if you wanna look at my T4 from before and now, that's you know, you'll think I'm crazy. And mm-hmm. that goes into a whole separate conversation, right? Like purpose and what I see as success and, you know, money is important. But like, for me, it's at this stage in my life, it's not, uh, the prime motivating factor and I, nor is it like what I think would define my success. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I would, if that person really pushed me, I would ask them to just pull up our website and be like, you tell me like we are, um, You know, everyone's got a right to to earn a living and uh, in fundraising, like anything else, like in any sales related role, salespeople in all organizations can do well. And that's no different in in fundraising. Like even in Edmonton, in various charities, there's people that probably make half a million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. But these people are probably raising, you know, 20, 30 million bucks. So you can look at it as, wow, that guy's making half a million bucks what a, what an asshole, or you could look at it and be like, that guy raised $30 million to build a children's hospital, yeah. you know? So it's like, again, I can't control someone's perspective of it, but I don't, I don't need to. Right. Like, again, going back to my purpose, my moral compass, it doesn't bother me. So.
0: Yeah. That's, that's interesting, Sonny. Um, I'm curious to know, cause you, you talked about, uh, you know, obviously it's not, you know, pr- money isn't the primary motivating factor, for a lot of young guys. And we, you know, we have, you know, a, you know, not entirely a young audience, but, you know, guys in our, you know, early mid 20s, you know, late 20s, who the primary motivating factor is money and, and building a career. And, um, you know, I think that behind it all, not for everybody, but a lot of us want to make money so that we can make an impact, whether it's in our career, whether it's with our families, whether it's with, you know, our, our friends or wh- wherever we're working or whatever we're doing, we want to make some sort of impact as well as make, you know, a living. Um, what, what, what do you say to, to those guys? And you know, maybe this is kind of advice almost reeling it back to myself or some of the younger guys um, that if the primary motivating factor is money, but, we also want to make an impact or eventually get to a point where we feel like we're making an impact what what what's your advice on that? do you think that you know you know how do we how do we how do we make an impact i think without having the primary motivating factor to be money that's i guess that's my question
2: yeah i, I mean i th- I think i'll start with like impact like impact can be lots of different things right and I think when you're young, I was this way too like 16, 17, 18, uh, you associate impact with money, clout, power, right? Um, but impact can be taking a call from a 14-year-old student and making sure he gets his keys. Impact can be um, taking 20 hours out of a month to go and volunteer coach at a, at a free play team with Afghan refugees. Uh, impact can impact can be, you know, going through your closet once a quarter and donating clothes that you don't need anymore. Um, and it does take time to understand that. Uh, and again, when you don't know any better and you see the world through now TikTok, Instagram, and you just constantly are inundated with guys in the Lambos and the Ferraris, and I uh, made a million bucks on Amazon doing this, like you get, it's like you're programmed that this is what you need to do. But but your impact doesn't have to be money. And so if you read in my Edify write up, they, they kind of, they have a quote for me and it's like, so I said some of the effect of like, I didn't know that I would be in a position to write the million dollar check to be able to help 4,500 kids. So I wanted to put in the sweat equity and have the impact by doing the work. Um, so that's like the one side of it. Um, I have nothing, like money is important. Like I, I have to say that like, I, you know, I didn't take a job in nonprofit for free. I have priorities to my family first and foremost. So my needs, my basic, like the things we want to do are covered, right? Um, but I don't, I don't have any, I don't look at anyone any differently if they want, you know, I drive a Model 3 if, you know, 15 years ago, I'd be, what do I got to do to get the, the S or whatever, like the plaid? now it, you know, that changes over time. Um, but I, I think I would just focus on the impact thing, right? Like, um, cause yeah, like at this point for me, time, uh, family time is more valuable than family relationships. Like having quality relationships with the people that I care and, uh, love are more important than, you know, making an extra 10 or 20, 30,000 bucks. But again, like, I recognize privilege, and again, I'm in nonprofit, but I'm not in a position where I'm like I can't afford to do the things I want to do. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah. Yeah. Do you think Do you think that if you're in a position where you can't afford things for yourself, and you are maybe your basic needs aren't met, um, do you think that you know you should be giving still, or you should be coming, or not giving, but like helping others? I know this is like a, maybe a little bit of a debate, but I don't know. I just thought thought of it because I don't know. You know, I feel like a lot of people who aren't, but like you know, the money, fame, clout, power. I feel like there's a lot of individuals who aren't in the limelight who give a lot and who impact our communities, who are in, you know, the Edmonton community and doing amazing things. And you know, they don't have any clout. They don't have any. They don't have millions of dollars, but they're doing amazing things. Uh, maybe I'm not talking to them, but maybe more so. If you're even if you're struggling to make a living, or you're struggling to uh, cover those basic needs, what are your thoughts on that? No, like like
2: no, I, yeah. My personal answer is no. I don't think, and I also don't think that if you're a million dollar year earner, that you necessarily like are obligated to give back to causes. Like I think your humanity should um, shine through, and I would hope that you know people are. Lead with empathy and uh, recognize that if they're in a position to help, they they would. But um, I'd be more disappointed in those higher earners. But if you're, you know, if you're a newcomer, you're struggling to get by. You're just starting off. Like I think you, your primary everyone's primary objective. Like first off, it's to yourself, and then you know, if you're married and you've got a family, it's to them. And so if you're scraping by, just barely getting by, every dollar counts towards that. And then if you're in a position where you are blessed to give back. Again, you go back to impact and like you, you can donate time, right? Like you don't, it doesn't need to be monetary. Like uh, I think we'll talk about free play, but one of our programs is called Welcome to Play. So this we, we created this during COVID. Uh, refugees continue to come here in high numbers. They were staying isolated in their hotels, sometimes for two, three weeks at a time. So we launched Welcome to Play. Tim launched this, our founder, fought hard. Uh, so we bring Afghan refugee kids still in Resettlement process. We bring them. They we, they go through the program. They get to play. Give us a break to the parents. These guys have literally nothing. Like you know, they didn't they didn't emigrate. They left because they were being persecuted. They had a decision to make: Germany uh, or Canada. 180 families off they come. What do they do? So many of these Afghan parents. So many of the older brothers and sisters of the, They don't have the money, but the first opportunity they can, they volunteer at free play. That's like. So again, it's like, there. That's what I would hope. But again, you can't really expect it. But again, there's there's different ways to give back. Um, Yeah, Mm, you know, I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it a bit. But it's, uh, I would definitely be more upset with those higher earners than than someone that's just struggling to get by. Well, I mean, like you, you just
1: gave a really good difference there, though. Is there's a difference between volunteering your time. Which I think is beautiful. That's what they're doing compared to volunteering, or, or rather giving your money. And this has pulled so many strings for me mentally because it's like the golden rule of like you, you got you got to you got to feed yourself before you feed anyone, mm-hmm. right? The plane's about to like crash. You got to put on your you know life jacket before you put it on your 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 kid. Like it's like this common practice of like I need to make sure I'm safe before I can help anyone else. Um, Here's a very poor example. America shit the bed on this one recently. America actually has donated billions of dollars to Ukraine. Rogan was talking about this recently with Iraq. And they kind of talked about this concept of, okay, so you're gonna give money as a country to another country that needs help. Yes, we're all one world. I'm a big believer in that. But now look at Maui. Look at look at them struggling still. That's under the radar now. That's yesterday's news. You give Maui every person that lives there seven hundred bucks. Hey guys, I give you seven hundred dollars. Your homes are devastated. Everything is gone. Um, our own people, our own like our own state. So that, that that's like my brother is just going through hell and back. And I look at a family that I don't really know. They're suffering. My own brother, my own blood. I, I, I leave a blind eye and I go help those people. And it's kind of one of those things where, yes, helping people is amazing. But I think the whole point of all this and kind of related to our conversation is like, are, are you kind of putting a blanket on your own problems or, or those that you actually need to help and distracting yourself and helping others to avoid, you know, what and where your attention really needs to be? And I just feel like personally on this topic, like you... You, you should, of course, look at your current situation. And I know I've been in that moment many times where I'm like, okay, I can give right now. And there's moments where I'm like, okay, you know what? I can't. Cause like, I'll give you a very personal example right now. I don't mind sharing this. I really want to go to India. Like I, I really want to go. And my cousin's getting married, family. But now, okay, before family, I have to put myself first. I just started a business. I have people to pay. I have People that have, you know, worked wonders and magic to have me open up way sooner than expected. It's not fair to these people who've now helped me put food on my table right now, for me to fuck off to India. <laughs> and be like, all right, I'm gonna go party. I'm gonna go celebrate. My cousin. I would. I, would, I would East overseas. Leave my business. Leave people that like are are are. You know, I owe a certain amount to and just say we'll we'll take care of it next month that's not fair so like my integrity my moral compass like it all kind of came into play Mm -hmm. so I I agree with what you say we're like yeah I could give my time but I mean money wise when you add that in I have to start figuring out like
2: what can and can't I do Mm -hmm. I think uh, like with the wedding analogies like you know I've had several scenarios over the last few years where uh you want to go but it's like again it's like by coming and having fun i'm like actually hurting my overall situation Mm -hmm. and so i think whether it's like for a personal reason or like in like my world if you're putting yourself and your family in a worse off situation to help others again it's like you got to take care of the house first uh you need that you need to be strong and then if you have a service oriented mind once you have that under control then you'll be better equipped to uh, impact the people around you, I, I, at least I believe. So. Yeah. so, what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. Like, uh, with this being that debatable topic, like, do you think,
1: like, they agree? Are you like? No, no, no
0: absolutely, like- I, I agree for sure. But I like what Sonny's point is, is where it doesn't have to be monetary, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be monetary. Like, you, if you're not in a financially well-off position or a high-income earner, you know, there are other ways to, to to have that impact or, or give back. And I feel like a lot of young, you know, young guys and, you know, our age especially, it's it's money, 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 we got to build, 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 we got to do this, we got to get the Tesla, we got to get the, then we got to get the Lambo, then we got to get the big house, then we got to get a bigger house and we got to, you know, and you get into this sort of uh, the quote unquote rat race and it, it just leads to just almost, you know, for yourself, and then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that, like Sonny said, is like, you know, you can give, you know, spend that five hours a week or 10 hours a week and, and go volunteer or, or, or do something or it doesn't even have to be for a charity. It could be starting with your own friends or family or extended individuals in your network what can you do? What can, you know, the, the, the 14 year old who lost his keys. You know, that, that, I love that example because it's like impact in our head sometimes thinks we, it needs to be grandiose. It needs to be like, I need to, you know, do something that makes big waves, but that is big waves. Those, mm-hmm. those the small quote unquote interactions that you might have, maybe those intimate interactions that you have, that's impactful. You know, that, that, and and that to me, just like when Sonny was talking, just kind of like sparked like that sort of light bulb. It's like, it doesn't have to be monetary, you know?
2: And like on the monetary thing, one thing I will say is like, you know, uh, I have nothing but respect for people that push themselves and achieve like, you know, the, the highest levels in the corporate culture, the businesses that spend, like, you know, there's things they have in their lives that, of course, you'd be lying if you're not envious of. But again, it does. I don't think it needs to become like the primary force in you know uh, so many young uh, people. These like there there's there's other things at play. Um, and then yes, one thing I wanted to add, like talking about things like those those families that might not have the monetary means. So yes, the impact can be something as simple as volunteering. That something that, again, you guys, you and Sonny Brar, and I'm not sure if you were part of the Run for Farmers, but, you know, during COVID, I saw this from afar. Um, and here's a group of guys that were passionate about a cause. And yes, they gave time because they're running. They all got healthy. They took care of themselves. And they use their network. And the power by the power of coming together and doing something and being healthy, they were able to crowdsource and like raise money through a third party activation. So whether, you know, uh, I don't know Kenny's situation at the time or sunny situation, you could have been a student and had 10 bucks to your name, or you could have been sitting on a million bucks. But if by doing these things, you're bringing awareness and raising money, that's another impact, right? So there's, there's always a way if you have that service oriented mind. Um, and then, yeah, it's, once to anyone that's young and uh, doing it, it becomes like an addiction, right? Like you, for me, I get re- a lot of gratification out of helping people. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I love that. I think um, you know, debate time. I think you know, this, <laughs> love is, this is this is where I, I mean, not debate time, but you know, I wanted to bring this up because you know, I've seen this time and time again, where you know, a community or a a race is impacted by something that's happening in the world, right? And, you know, tragedies, et cetera, et cetera. If you are from that community, is it your obligation to shout it out into the rooftops, bring awareness, create charities, fundraisers? What are your thoughts on that? So I'll just give you the example of, you know, run, you know, run for farmers or, you know, when stuff that was happening with the farmers back, back then, you know, obviously it impacted the Indian community. Now, you know, there were certain people that stayed silent and there's certain people that, you know, made action towards, towards the cause. And some who were potentially maybe not doing any action were calling out others for not making action. Hmm. especially those who are in the public eye. Why aren't, hey, you're, you're from Punjab. You're from this community. You're from, you're not talking about this. Why aren't you not saying this and calling them out on Instagram and etc. Hmm. I'm curious to know from your perspective or your opinion, Sonny, is that if you're from that community, do you have a, a moral obligation or just an obligation in general to speak out Maybe you have a small platform, maybe you are in the public eye, maybe you're not. Do you feel like it is something that
2: you're obligated and you, you have to do? Um uh, this will be a, a spicy one I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, that's why debates, man, debates got first <laughs> salary question. Yeah, yeah. So um I think if you're from a community, so the farmers' protest, prime example. So, you know, I, I'm half Punjabi. My dad came in '74. Uh, story everyone from Punjab knows uh, in the diaspora, um, and uh, I I don't have a big platform, but I'm you know I'm well known in circles here, and so I, for me, I felt like I did have an obligation. I felt like. What was happening and i felt that uh especially given the nature of the country and the nature of the media and the nature of the reports um and i didn't think that right off the bat i just i remember it it was at henry singer clients would ask questions because they're getting like how the media was framing it through traditional western and i'm like no 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 so here i am i'm like and so i was doing this like one-on-one like for four hours a day at Henry Singer giving these like mini seminars. And so finally I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Um, and who am I? I'm like, you know, 1500 Instagram followers, but I'm like, you know what, that's enough, uh, enough of the right people here. will see it. So, yeah, I think, I think if you have the ability to, uh, shine light where there's darkness and like give, um, you know, at least an alternate perspective, uh, I think you should, uh, that's my opinion. Um, I'm also, you know, sensitive cause I was that guy like during the farmer's protest. And I don't know, I honestly don't know that I would have been as hardcore if people didn't start questioning my half white side and all this, like I had to deal with all this, like mm. this stuff in my DMs. So I'm like, man, like, wow. so then I like dug my, like the way I am, I like dug my heels in harder and i pushed harder people yeah. actually said things oh, about yeah. like why are you saying this if you're not even full pen w? yeah like let's no do way. it yeah.
0: that's what i was gonna Open. have
2: that, that, that was another
0: thing i was gonna bring to like wow. what if people like attack you for not or attack you for doing that's crazy y- yeah
2: maybe i'd be even more upset so so i dug like i said i dug my heels in and you know i and again it's like i did it nobody asked me to do it i able to do my own research. I'm aware of the history, you know, I'm aware of like stuff that's now coming to light about like what's happened with whistleblowers and stuff in that. And I made this decision on my own, you know, I didn't, I'm not being paid. I'm not making money doing this. It was how I felt morally. And so, yeah, I I do think that I think. And so I, I, again, I called people out locally that had more, you know, more followers, more ability to share the story. But I have empathy now looking back on it, like why some of the folks we, we you know, I I targeted and, you know, all of us, I think, targeted because everybody was frustrated. Um, I don't know what it's like to be like Jujar Kara and like, you know, people, up, he was at the time with the Oilers, I think maybe he'd been, no, he's in Chicago and people were very critical of why is this guy not saying anything? And, you know, looking back on it, here's a guy, who's one of the very, very rare Punjabi Sikhs that made it to the NHL. And he's not, you know, a dry sidle or a McDavid. He's not bona fide number one superstar on any team in the league, can do whatever he wants. They're going to make space for him. This is a guy that's fighting day in, day out to stay in the NHL. And for him in that world, in the hockey world, you know, I, I, I can't, I haven't talked to him about this, but I could I could understand like the weight of that on him. Like if he says something like this, he's already like the elephant in the room in any room he's in in that world. He doesn't want this to be the thing that like puts his entire his entire life work at risk. Right. Um, And then, you know, and I had less sympathy or empathy for some of the politicians um, because I felt it was being too political. Like you're in office to represent the people and the people that put you there, a large amount of them were from here. And so, um, yeah, I thought they were morally obligated to bring light to it. And, um, because it's a story that was common to all of us. Uh, and I think you can't be a good politician if your own only concern is, or uh, how would I say this without being totally offensive? I don't think you're the best politician if your only motivating factor is reelection. Like I think, if you are okay with being a force for change, for good or bad, and you might lose a seat because of it, that's I thought was more important. But uh, yeah, again, long-winded answer, but I, personal opinion, yeah, I thought if you have an, if you have the opportunity, you should speak up. This next uh, this next debatable topic is uh, I, I want to talk about parenthood. You know,
1: and I think Sonny's at a time in his life right now where, you know, you've been blessed with a child, uh, recently two years old, which is beautiful. And I work with a lot of children through what I do with our academy. And I've seen how parents uh, move, you know. I'm going to say this. I'm not saying it's every parent, but I'm noticing, I want to know your opinion on, I think due to a couple of reasons. Number one, Parents in this day and age with kids between, uh, let's just say, from the moment they're born to like 13 years old when they feel like they have a good grip on their child, hmm. right? I think they're trying really hard to like have their kids like them. And I think, once again, it's not every parent, but it's what I'm noticing. Their kid says something, their kid does something, and the kid is right 99% of the time. The kid gets what the kid wants. The kid is essentially running the household. So when the kid's bored, when the kid is no longer satisfied, the parent is quickly thinking, uh, okay, you don't wanna do this? Okay, let's find something else you like. Oh, you, you, you wanna go to Galaxy Land Friday? Okay, sure, buddy. Like, w- whatever it is, spoil, spoil. Like, like, keep giving the kid what it wants. Kid's bored, okay, let's give it constant stimulation. My kid's not eating, you want an iPad? I'll give you an iPad. Here you go, buddy. As long as you eat. Yeah, I'll eat. And it's like, the kid wins. The kid wins every single time. The kid will never lose. The moment you hear your kid complain, your your whole world ends. You're just trying to do whatever it takes to make your kid happy. I think that's very wrong, you know? And I've seen the unfortunate um, side of things where when the kid wins, it gets what it wants, but now there's no lesson behind it. Where do I think this comes from? That's why I want to know what you guys think, but I, I think I have an idea of where it comes from. There's this generational flip, right? I'll give you an example. My granddad was very strict to my dad, (laughs) extremely. Like, he was like, this is how you're gonna live your life, you're gonna go to private school, you're gonna do this, This that's what you're gonna do. My dad growing up would tell me, my brother, like listen, like the way I was raised, like I had to be this and this, I wanna give you guys the freedom. So he went went 180, Mm -hmm. he went full 180. And so what I noticed from a lot of people I'm speaking about, their parents were hard on them, now they're growing up wishing they might have had a better relationship with mom and dad. They don't. So now they go to their kid and they go, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure I have this loving, beautiful relationship with you. How do I do that? I give you what you want. And I think that's where it's kind of stemming from. I think it's wrong. I don't think this should be the case. I could write uh, a whole maybe potential thesis statements on this, but I wanna know, Sonny, you're a father. I'm someone who's, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't have a kid. I, I one day would love the idea of raising my own family with my beloved girlfriend. But like, you know, that that's years down the road. But for you as a father right now, do you see this too? Am I? Am I? In the, am I like uh, out in the boonies with this one? And 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 how do you think this is and why is it happening? If you do believe so,
2: yeah. Uh- First off, I, th- I think you're right, it is happening. And um, you know we could spend days talking about why it is. I think part of what you're saying is true. I think it can be, if you were raised really strict, you would want to do the polar opposite or at least try to elicit different feelings than you had growing up, right? Um, I think that's part of it. I think that what we just talked about with like not knowing how to navigate geopolitical discussions also would creep into like, uh, parenting, like I like, I don't get involved in it. I don't care, but like, Kill will sometimes show me like the mom groups on Instagram and Facebook, and like the shame you feel, like you know your your kid is. Did you see that kid? He was on his Strider and he didn't have a helmet on. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, so it's like, you know, it's it's happening on every like everything that we do. Like our people are watching and they're going to have an opinion. Um, and so I think in a lot of cases, it's people have been swayed by that. I also think that we live in a world where uh, delayed gratification is like almost a foreign concept. Like, um, so you use the iPad reference. Like, I remember my my sister Priti, she has Caser Jacks before we had them. And I'm like, I was, you know, on the outside looking in. I'm like, the iPad, it's this. Because you just want peace, right? Yeah. But when... I can say two years into having Banner, like, the iPad comes out almost, like, it almost never comes out. Because, yes, and, I
1: love that. See, I, you hear that, everybody?
2: <laughs> fucking break that iPad. But, uh, but <laughs> Throw I, it. What I want to say, though, too, is, like, I mentioned earlier, like, we went through hell to have Banner, right? So, like, listening to a crying baby is, like, we're, like... It's all good, man.
3: You, yes. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, we yeah, 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 we wanted
2: this, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, you know, there's again, there's times and places where you 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 know you 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 pull you you do whatever it takes. Like I want my son to be happy, right? But the, I don't. His happiness, you know, he he doesn't have the capacity to understand at this age that. Um, he's not like he's just after the instant gratification where like he'll have 10 times more happiness if he just sticks with something um and that's where i would have no issue being like look like you uh you you just learned how to that my name is actually sunny not dad like you got a lot to learn before like you're able to like actually quantify what you're uh you know what what you can and can't do but um it's it's definitely easier said than done. Like I, there's things that I thought, and I was critical of, uh, my sister, my, my in-laws like, uh, with their kids. And then it's a totally different ball game when you're holding the kid, but I can say that, you know, nine out of 10 times we've stuck to what we believed in and, um, you know, and we're happy that way and continue that way is, uh as long as as long as we're able to. yeah, no, I, I'm really glad you brought that up. Like obviously, like when it's your own child
1: that you brought into this world that's yours, it's your responsibility. You love the thing to death. It's like this beautiful result of, of who you and the person you love so much, you know have created, mm-hmm. you know, And it's just when I, when I see this behavior that kids naturally have, like, you know how many times when I was a kid, I said, I'm bored. I used to piss off my parents so much. I'm bored. And, and like, my parents were like, okay, well, deal with it. And now I'm sitting there trying to deal with it. And I'm letting my imagination work its course. Five, 10, 15 minutes later, I'm thinking about, like, you know, I'm. Thinking about the iPad. Thinking about flying. <laughs> like, like, I'm just, like, I'm being a kid with the crazy <laughs> imagination that you're well equipped with. And and you, you just you deal with it. And I find right now parents go, okay, my kid's bored Okay, I got it. I got it. I got to stimulate that brain with something. And here's where the personal place I'm coming from. Yeah, I want to know you're very I'm fired anti anti iPad. Fire up. <laughs> up. Cuz I'm coming from a place where I'm around kids every day. I coach kids aged between 4 to 14, 15 years old up until they're now an adult and they go into the adult class. Putting them in martial arts. We have to understand what made this kid want to do martial arts? We've all been kids. They watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They watch Spider Man the other day. They're coming out. Right? Like they feel like they're Spider Man. They're going to mom and dad. Mom and dad, I want to be Spider Man. What do mom and dad do? They look up. <laughs> they look up Robin MMA, <laughs> our sponsor actually of this episode. <laughs> That's the best. No, but they look up martial arts Edmonton, right? First thing they think of is, let, let me put my kid in, learn some discipline, learn how to protect themselves. Okay, kid goes into the class, tries one class, tries a week, maybe does a month, reaches a point after maybe sitting there doing a, a straight jab, cross, hook, punch 100 times. Still not doing it right, is getting corrected several times over, class after class. And then they kind of hit that wall. They go to their mom and dad and they go, mom, dad, this isn't for me. For one of two reasons. I'm bored because it's the same thing over and over again. Or let's face it, they suck at it. Like, they, like they, They're not good, but that's normal. Mm. Like anything we've all tried for the first month that's extremely new to us, whether we're adults or not, we suck at it. Now here's the thing, what are you gonna teach this kid? What's the inadvertent lesson? Kid goes, I don't wanna do this anymore. Back to my point, what are parents doing? Not all of them, but some go, hey Kenny, can we talk? <laughs> like, yeah, what's up? My kid is bored, they're not liking it. So we will pass. Like, like, like we're, we're, we quit, we're done. I, I, I don't try and convince, otherwise I'm like, okay, fair. Okay, fair, understandable, right? But now I'm coming out publicly about this and I'm going, okay, so now whenever your kid's bored, whenever they suck at something, you're going to pull them out and you're involving them in 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 this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. Your kid's now tried 12 things, have done 12 things one month each. Okay, now three, four years go by. You know what you've done to your kid now? You've allowed your kid now to walk into the workplace, to go into school. Anytime something's hard, anytime something's boring, you've completely turned your kid into someone that goes, oh, okay, I quit. I'm done. You, you turn them into a quitter. But now, what, okay, then what is the right thing to do? Go to your kid and be like, listen, why don't you like it? Oh, it's either boring or I'm not good at it. Okay. But well, what happens if you do get good at it? Do you think Spider-Man all of a sudden knew how to do those tricks? After swinging around one day, the moment he realized he had those superpowers? No. He kept trying. He kept trying. He kept failing. He kept eating shit the moment he realized he had these web swings. He ran, 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 barely made it, and he got better every day. And right now, that's where you are. You're you, you are just someone who's just trying to get the hang of it. And, and you kind of gotta convince your kid. You, know, you gotta look at that situation and be like, listen, like, when the going gets tough, like, you gotta keep going. So how about this? Give it another three months. Put some more time in, and let's see how you feel. And now, like you're saying this to your kid, your kid loves you. Like all, all you need to do is give 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 him or her a two minute pep talk. Like, yeah, you know what, Mom, Dad, you're right. Let me go try it again, and then see the difference. Because guess what? The good thing is, I do see the good parents, and I seen and saw them have these conversations with their kids, and I look at how they were day one and how they are now. Night and day, the way they carry themselves, the the the, the way they're actually now becoming a skilled martial artist, and I just find like. I, I say this to everyone and you guys because I find that if we can just have parents stop for a second and realize like, instead of satisfying your kid, be a parent first. Like, like, don't be afraid to, to go up to your kid and be like, you gotta keep going kid. Like, not because I'm, I'm paying for it or, or you have to, like, you don't have to give them those guilt trips, but more so like, stop your kid in their tracks and be like, yeah, well, I mean, how good is it gonna feel when you're good at this? And you don't have to make your kid do it after so many years. I think that's a unnecessary. but like, Hey, like commit to this, do it for a year, get your green belt, you know, g- g- get far enough where like you can actually, if one day you have to protect yourself, you'll know what to do. Instead of like having this, uh, you know, turned off mentality around, Oh, Taekwondo is lame. It's like, well, you're just saying that cause you were never good at it or you were bored. Yeah. You didn't give it a chance.
2: You know what I mean? For sure. Um, I completely agree. Like, um, yeah, man. You know, That's my I, rant. I needed a rant today. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you did. Um, like, I, my first comment on it, and again, I'm a new parent. People have done this. Our parents, like, uh, times are different. It'll, every situation is different. I'm not, I haven't written the book on it. I'm learning as I go. Um, but, you know, we just talked about the iPad, all this stuff. Like, I feel like you're seeing a lot of this because we are in that instant gratification society where it's like, okay yeah let's go throw you in uh no regard for the business and what you're doing your guys's efforts yeah we'll put it put okay you don't like jujitsu today all right let's go try uh uh like frankly's panther boxing yeah okay oh you don't like that all right no problem let's duchess is doing a baking class you didn't like okay no problem for me you know banners too so he's not at that stage yet he's showing that he likes hockey which i love but like if that day comes and he says, you know, dad, mom, I want to play hockey. In my heart, I'm going to be like, oh, you're already registered. No problem. <laughs> yeah. We got this. But the, we're going to have that conversation first. And we're, I'm going to like to the best of his ability. I want him to understand what this means. And I want him to understand that like, you know, when you sign up for this, you're also, you know, in your case, it's like uh, Kenny and KB, like you, you they're they're there for you. And like, this is going to take time. And... um. And again, to the best of their ability, because whatever they can take in, depending on the age. And I'm going to lay the parameters that like, listen, um, you might not like it week one and you might want to quit. And I'm going to tell you to go again. And if after a month you don't like it, I'm going to pull you out. But I'm not putting you into the next thing. Like, you know, we need to have a conversation and see what like, because we're not going to bounce around, um, you know, because that's just not again, like you need to you need time for anything to know how it is. And then to people that would like call me out and be like, that's not right. That's not, uh, that's not fair. How can you do that kid? Like I would sit back and I know for me, I know my sister with her kids. I've have older cousins that have kids. Yeah. I would ask them, I'd be like, you tell me one kid that has ever told you, uh, that they love school every time you show me one kid. That didn't <laughs> at one point say, I don't want to go to school. You still send them to school. You, you force them to yeah, go to school yeah. for 12 years, 13 years. You put them in kindergarten. They might say they hate it. They might come back crying. You continue to force them. It's a great example. Like, so in that situation, we, we know what's best for them and we're, we're trusting their education. And this, you know, we're not going to leave them in a situation where they're hurt or upset or they truly don't like it. But you got to at least give enough time. To get past like uh again, you gotta get through that like uncomfortable part to see if you actually like it or not. And again, it's just human nature right now, instant gratification. Oh, he's unhappy, boom, into the next thing. So for us, like I think that's how we would approach it, right? And I don't think that's there's nice. anything wrong with it, right? So this is a debatable topic. Do you guys both think
1: that Pro iPad your <laughs> How much involvement is too much for kids? Like right now, I feel like from what I'm noticing, martial arts isn't the only activity, right? Even in the way we've designed our scheduling, we tell parents and they love hearing this. They're they're like, the first thing they ask is, okay, is this schedule like everything's concrete? They have to come to every class? First thing I say is, hey, no no worries, you don't. There's three options for kickboxing, three options for jujitsu. If they could come at least two times a week for each discipline, you're set. Or if you want them to do one, two to three times a week, right? And then they go, oh, okay, good. I'm like, why? What's going on? Every parent, oh, my kid's involved in a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, like what? Well, piano, soccer, um, volleyball, and now this. I'm like, okay, interesting. Do you guys think, like, involving your kid in that many extracurricular activities, is it good or is it bad? Are you pro, like, multi activities? Minor to what degree? Like, like, how much is too much?
0: How much is too much?
1: Yeah, you know me. I threw like five questions in there. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know. Uh, right? In favor of that many activities, or I mean, or I- maybe go all in in one. You're doing one. You're at that martial arts center five, six times a week. That's your thing. Then, okay, three, four, five months, if you don't like it, then we'll give you another one. Or let's do sprinkle, 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 like a (laughs) little bit of everything. So,
0: but here's the thing. Okay, it's not about the the too many activities. It's more so the, the skills that you want your child to hopefully develop from those activities, right? And so I feel like, A, if you are in a position to put your kids into two or three, four activities, which is a lot you know, piano, you know, f- you know, anything physical, sports, et cetera, if they can do it, I say, why not? You know what I mean? Of course, from a, from an athlete perspective or from like learning that long-term skill, like in, you know, martial arts, you'd need at least a couple years to get, you know, ranked and get a black belt and whatnot. Of course, that sort of diminishes that where it might take that person, that child a little longer. To, to, to get that and they're doing um, you know three, four, five, six, seven different things so they might not be as committed to jujitsu or mar- martial arts because they got piano and they got swimming and they got violin class and etc I don't see it as a bad thing um, yeah that's that's my opinion I don't see it as a bad thing mm. the more the merrier
3: okay
1: good to know
2: wow that's nice what about you but, yeah I think I'm in the same thought like uh, sentiment like try different things, but give it a real try, right? Mm. Like don't play piano for four days and then decide that now you want to be a boy band because Instinct's back or, you know, like give it a a solid go. Um, I think those things can like give a better rounded education experience. But I do say that I agree also with it. I'd only be good with that if like you have the capacity as a family, and the capacity as a family can be a lot of different things, right? Like at Free Play, we talk about means looking very different. Um that's a lot of money, right? Like, like first and foremost, if you're doing jujitsu and playing hockey or playing piano, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Beyond yeah. the money, that's a lot of time, right? Like, yeah. think about think about if you have an activity five days a week, that's mom or dad, predominantly either taking time away from work. Maybe someone's staying home now. Maybe you're in a position where you're taking on a nanny uh, so that one of you can do this. Um, You know, Some people will get creative, the carpool, but like you're investing a lot of now your own time uh, and being a parent is selfless, I get that. But it's also okay as a parent to be like, you need some of your own time, right? Um, Sure. So I, I think similar to what I said earlier, like you can't, as long as you can take care of your house first and everything's in order, all good with having them experience like all the things that they want I think. But, uh, um, so long as it fits the the family, I guess.
0: Yeah. Mm. Pro iPad. Pro activities, all of it. Give it, give it all, give it all. He gets
2: the grade. He gets the
0: iPad. He gets the swimming classes. He gets the violin class. He gets the jujitsu class. I don't want to be
2: around your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody gets swimming classes. You guys know how hard it is to get swimming classes. Really, right now? It's insane. No way. eh? Stop, hey. They start him young. Hey, like young. No way. Like through the city of Edmonton, it's like a lottery system. Like (laughs) off topic, but my like we've tried so many times and we just we can't. Really, that's crazy. Oh, that's that's so interesting. Gotta just have
1: like a YMCA or rec league yeah. community, right? Yeah.
3: That's wow. cool. No, it's that's good interesting. You guys'
1: perspectives on that. Yeah. Is, is there anything, Sunny, that is going on in your life or that's like pressing uh, things you're researching right now that you feel like we haven't touched on that, like you really want to address and and share?
2: Well, I think just like you know, I'm uh, forty under forty happened because I made the switch uh to free play and i
0: yeah let's talk about that
2: i still don't think people really get free play and what we just talked about ties into it so nicely like um i mentioned earlier that i see free play as like a disruptor and i see it uh like in a lot of ways early stage um startup and we just mentioned like okay 2 jujitsu classes two kickboxing classes swimming lessons taking piano how are you supposed to do that right like We've subscribed to this model for, you know, a hundred years where you go to school from nine to three and then, so someone's got to stop work at three, pick up the kid. <laughs> and it like, why are we still doing it this way? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then, um, and then you get into evening activities. So free play, like everyone sees it, then they assume, okay, it's sport. Yeah, of course, sport based. Um, but our model could be used literally with anything. It could be jujitsu. It could be baking sport we find will always draw the most kids right so we're in 24 elementary schools highest need um, work with the school boards to serve the communities that need us most so high percentage of newcomers indigenous communities um and we're there and so the bell rings at 3 30. so if you're a newcomer we all know this like how many stories do we know where dad worked three jobs mom's like it's if dad's working three jobs, it's so that mom can be at home, but like we don't need to do it that way anymore. Right. So what free play does is it's like the bell rings. Now our staff go into the school and we just take the kids straight to free play. Right. So, nice. so from three thirty to five thirty, you know, the first thing we do is we give them, give them a snack. Most people don't know there's a food component. So from those communities, food insecurity is a real thing. So power up the brain so you can absorb what's happening. And then we like, intentionally teach the soft skills that you would learn through sport, like leadership, courage, being a team player, like Brandon, who's our director of training, probably the most credentialed coach in Alberta works for us. And he's built this curriculum to like purposely teach those things to these kids because we don't care about the sport outcome. We're there to help the families level up because now two people can work. Now dad doesn't have to work at night. He can actually have a relationship with the kids. You're just, you're uh, speeding up the process of helping these people, helping these kids uh, grow, and so then you know we're Monday to Friday we're with them. So 720 kids in that program alone, and then again they're kids where we talk about the sport doesn't matter, but they want to play. So on Thursdays early dismissal, the there's four different locations, the soccer centers and the Commonwealth. They have tournament days, so there's they come and they compete against the other free play schools uh, you know, bragging rights. And then, uh, that at the tournament, we distribute a meal hamper. So again, we're, we're very robust, so much more than sports. So we have like a nutritionist that works with us that works all week to secure fresh ingredients, builds recipes. And even the way the recipes are thought of, like we assume that maybe a family is still living in a hotel. Maybe they don't have like, so all these recipes are high health conscious, but they can be prepped with almost no utensils. So they're given this hamper that they can go home. They've learned how to cook it. They have a different relationship with food. Then that pillars up now, you know, they leave elementary. What do they do? We've got uh, the Wolves team. So now we have free league based teams for those kids that come out of it um, that are still looking for a place to go. Welcome to play. I mentioned earlier. It's uh, that's our refugee based program where uh, we have coaches, like every language you can possibly imagine. We have coaches that can communicate with. And so we're helping, we're the first point of contact for a lot of these families. So these are people that are untrusting of government. We're helping them set up bank accounts. We're helping them, you know, like deal with the paperwork of like getting here. Um, so it's like, you know, uh, when, I, when I started to learn about all the things we're doing, I'm like, this is awesome. Just in how many kids we're going to help. And I think sports, again, and what you learn through sport can be a, such a powerful tool for prevention, mental health, all these things. Um, but then again, like, you know, I, I've talked at length today and uh, in other places about like, you know, money's not necessarily the sole motivating factor in my life, but I'm also like, I'm not a fool and I saw this and I see this model and I'm like, okay, well, as a parent now and someone that sees this, why wouldn't every single elementary school want something like this? Mm. Like if you're telling me whether you're a school, that's a, a have that you're an affluent neighborhood and you had the option to pay a little bit of extra money. So the kids stay at the school because the service comes in to teach all these things. Why wouldn't that resonate in the broader Edmonton community? And then why wouldn't that resonate in other parts of Canada and ultimately, why wouldn't that resonate across the world? Like, uh, again, being so pro Edmonton, I think we get typecast as being blue collar and we're oil and gas. But like, why couldn't we be a a, a city that's like an incubator for social innovation, right? Like um, people talk about and raise money for the YMCA Boys and Girls Club. Those are American corporations that do amazing things not going to say anything bad about them but those are American corporations that started there that expanded across the globe so when I first started seeing this and I was like you know pulled out my heartstrings because I believe in the mission but then I'm like this has such practical application this is so scalable like honestly why wouldn't it be in every single elementary school across North America um that time between three and five it's like Studies have been done to show that that's the most vulnerable time in a child's life, but childcare costs, like I, we pay $1,200 for daycare for a two-year-old. If you're a newcomer, you don't have that money. So uh, we're breaking that system where siblings aren't having to look after him. Um So I just, I love everything about it. Um, and then, you know, with things like ours, we were talking about like, do I want him to try, do I want Banner to try 10 different sports? Like, Yeah, you know, when he's ready, do do I know if we're going to be able to pay for all these things? I don't know. But what I do know is, like, if replay continues to grow, there's an option where even if there's, like, at that time a free and a paid portion of it, here's something where you'll get exposed to all these sports. And then if, you know, if we do a brave class and we we put 300 students through there over the course of a month and 10% of them are like, we love jujitsu at least then we're like helping to help them find their passion. without find their like, thing. Yeah. Without straining the family, their time and their money. So that's like my shameless, uh, free play plug. Um, you know, why aren't we in more places money, right? Like, you know, it's, it's very expensive to run our program because we don't use volunteers. We, we have very high, uh, standards for coaching. Training is insane. I don't deal with the kids at all. And I had to go through the training. Um, and so, and that we, we chose that because free shouldn't mean that it's second tier, right? Like we want to give every kid the opportunity to be great and nothing wrong with volunteers and you'll get excellent volunteers, but we can't control the standard. So as we impact 4,000, 5,000, 10,000 kids in their lives and, their lifelong trajectories we want to know that we're doing it with the best people so it's uh like i said i could talk about free play all day i love it and uh I'm just happy to be there helping change not just kids lives but their ultimately their family's lives
0: man i love that <laughs> that's i mean sign me up like, yeah that's beautiful no see i was thinking man when i was a kid i wish i had free play <laughs> yeah you know what down. i mean like i mean especially when you you mentioned that three to five P.M. sort of time it makes so much sense, Sonny. When I was a kid, my parents when I was when I, when I was growing up after school, uh, my either my my dad or my, usually my dad would pick me up or I'd walk to my parents' shop. So my parents have a tailoring shop, and uh, I'd walk over because there would be nobody at home, so I'd have to walk to my parents' shop, stay with my mom till about six P.M., and then once once I was once they close the shop, then it's like okay, you go home. Luckily, in the in their location back in the day, there was a youth center in the in the plaza that they that they worked in the little mall, um, and I used to go there all the time. You know, I'd help my mom sew here and there. You know, just to say I did something. You know, and then I'd go into this youth center, um, and that was a volunteer. Like the youth center was all volunteers. Mm-hmm. So, although it was good, like they were, they were. I mean, I have incredible memories there, and just. Having fun, and you know they had some activities. You know they had computers, but it wasn't very structured. It wasn't like how free play sounds. It wasn't like that. But it was uh, it was a place that I remember was very. I remember it. I still remember it to this day. It was just like that time, those three or four hours after school. I would always go there, mm-hmm. and days. that was that. That was like time for years. I did that for years. I did that until I obviously grew up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but what's the glory days man like it gives you such a that, that three to five thing yeah that, that that's so accurate it just as a kid you're counting down the clock you're looking at it in your last final class you're like it's almost 325 and then <laughs> you you're looking forward to the thing that's next you know it's whether it's involved with free play i remember for me it was like ah i'm 325 i'm gonna go home got a glass of milk 415 martial arts yeah (laughs) stay there for two three four back-to-back classes but with free play that that's beautiful man like you guys are giving i love that piece on like you're making it so much easier for families you're giving both parents a chance to still work make money like set that base Especially for all of the people that are coming and moving in, and, and are, are actually leaving um, very disastrous situations back home, or they're just they're just wanting to have a better opportunity, and they know that they they're bringing their kids with them, and and they're not like I can imagine the older siblings how much happier they are, right? <laughs> like they're like great, I don't have to play babysitter anymore, and and now everyone every kid can can have that opportunity to play. You know, because it's it's part of the disposable income. That's not the, that's not the first thing at all that parents think of. is coming to this country, and being like, okay, what am I gonna put my kid through? It's like, no, like I gotta feed my kid first. Gotta feed me first. Gotta figure it out. Let's get our jobs. And it's way better than kids staying at home looking at their iPad, right? Like you're giving them a purpose. You know, I, I love that, man. Appreciate it. That's huge.
2: Yeah, it's uh, and again, like, uh, it's just super gratifying to see like. Uh, I played sports my whole life, like so I I've seen that what can happen when a good coach believes in a kid and uh, how that can change an outcome. But now it's like at scale, and you're removing every barrier that like would prevent. Because I mean, uh, calling a spade a spade, like sport is just expensive, right? Like, you know, hockey sticks cost three hundred dollars these days, right? Like it's insane. And so again, to be able to give that uh, that space is. Um, yeah you guys definitely you guys are welcome anytime check it out cool. but i i will i think there's a it'd be fun to have a little jujitsu with oh, some big like. time We yeah. have to set that up it's That'd quite huge i didn't i like uh so your are back you said your background you're, you're afghani like there's it's quite popular with like uh jujitsu's with that with the afghani kids cool yeah and so there was That's actually uh awesome. there was yeah. a woman from i don't think she's in edmonton anymore but she meddled. um uh in jujitsu. She got a bronze and she's like came from Afghanistan. So, no, she, oh, there so you she, go. she came oh, and that's, did a, that's she did a seminar. This is before I was there, but now that's uh, cool. yeah. So it would be super cool. How
1: can our audience and how can we like pay tribute to the growth of free play, other than of course our plans with jiu jitsu at BraVe. like um where can our audience like uh donate? Where can we share? Like what what's the best way we can do to not only support time wise but uh Money wise to free play?
2: Yeah. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about impact and like t- uh, volunteering, all that stuff. The, the the odd thing with free play is like we get a lot of volunteer requests, but like people, everybody wants to come and coach the kids. But given that they're, you know, kids, uh, you know how it is. Like you have to have certain criteria. So, volunteering for us is more like if we do a 50 50 events. So, there's that. It's all on our website, www.freeplayforkids.com. Uh, right now, and um, you know, as we approach holiday season, like the monetary uh, donations make a huge difference. And again, it, uh talking to the twenty-year-old audience that are trying to get the Lambo, like it doesn't. We're, we don't need a ten-thousand-dollar donation. We, like a thousand-dollar donation, yeah, sure, I'd love it. But like on our website, like I purposely put like if you give us twenty dollars, we are buying like that food hamper for the week, right? Like. Again, it's like people overcomplicate. Like, oh, what is this going to do? Like, no, like twenty dollars in the right setting is all the difference in the world, right? So um, those donations are uh, are massive. And then honestly, the other thing is like just being here. Like having you know, you guys have been doing this for three seasons. You have a big following. Um, I've been at Free Play for a year, and I still have conversations where people have no idea who we are. The organization's seventeen years old, right? Like. It wow. It started wow. as free footy, and it's pivoted to free play during the pandemic. Um, people know us, or they they know pieces of us. People like a lot of people. Be like, oh yeah, Alfonso Davies started there because he did like in when it was free footy. Um, but we're just so much more, right? And so that's like uh, whenever I leave a meeting, I ask for two things. I'm like, yes, I would love to leave with a check. Like, I think anytime someone sits down for a coffee, I joke. I'm like, well, you know what? It's coming. So like we laugh about it, but then the other thing is like advocacy, right? Like, um, it doesn't take a lot for someone to sit and say, you know what? I heard about this amazing program. Like, you guys should hear about this. Um, I tell this story all the time. Like my first month there, I met with as many existing donors as I could, and so I sat with this like seventy-two year old lady at Art of Cake, and uh, just was like, hey, you've like given a thousand bucks every year for like ten years. Like, like tell me your story. And so she's like literally like has her coffee she like slams it down. She's like, I can't give you any more money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, she's like, that's as much as I, and I'm like laughing and I'm like, uh, you know what? That's like, I, I just wanted to like, I'm new here. I wanted to understand. And I'm like, okay, can you do me a favor at least? And she's like, I'm like, you obviously love us. You have your reasons. I'm like, can you, can you tell 10 of your friends about us? Oh, well, I, I guess so. So she had like her card club. So she sends an email to like all of these people, and within like forty eight hours of her sending this email, we had seventeen thousand bucks donated to us. No, oh, wow, yeah. that is amazing. And so I'm like, I love that. Yeah, and like and like that's that's uh, you know, crowdfunding, getting people like having people talk about us is like something that deserves deserves attention, and ultimately like if that translates into you monetarily supporting us, that's as you know that's as good as anything, right? So. Again, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and ultimately help more kids. So yeah, that's no, awesome.
0: This, yeah, this is this is awesome. Uh, I love it. I love I love everything about Free Play so far that I know and uh, love to do do something. I mean. Well, maybe man, we could do
1: something with the pod. Or, you got to put your white belt on, man. There's a lot of Afghani kids out there that love jujitsu. jitsu We get yeah, you yeah. on this, man. They hear that Cassius is uh, rocking his white belt, too. They're, they're going to be all over this. I man. don't know, but you
0: want me to roll.
1: I know. They'll be inspired by you. That's what it takes. It, yeah. takes, it takes kids <laughs> of your own ethnicity interested for you to join. Because I bug up all the time to join jujitsu. Oh, right? That's funny.
0: That's funny. No, that's I, I, Sonny, we, no, first of all, I just want to say I appreciate you for coming on and, and not only sharing your story, but your opinion your perspective and uh and everything that you do i
1: uh, i love it so yeah man yeah. it's been such a blast man i two hours went by like this just being in your company and um we hope that you know people follow free play for kids people follow sunny sick on online and uh you know i haven't asked this in uh i don't know how long since we've had a guest but um we always like to ask our guests you know we are on the second floor we are always preaching you know what does it take to to take things to the next level and uh that's why I want to ask you, like, in, in literal terms and metaphorical terms, like, what does it mean to you to 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 be on the second floor? And then not just on the podcast, but more so just in life in general, you're clearly living at that mentality of taking things, you know, just up to another level. So so what does that mean to you in
2: life to do so? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Like, professionally right now, like, taking it to the next level would be... Uh, it's easy to say expanding the program Um, be seeing us in more cities Um, I think the growth that would be uh, a huge driver and I would I would consider part of my success Um, and then beyond that I think it's just um, being comfortable um, continuing to be comfortable with like what my version of success is which is not maybe the stereotypical one which is being able to do the things that i want but having like that really deep and meaningful relationship with my family um and yeah i think i think just kind of continuing to like let my being comfortable with who i am and letting who i am uh seep into everything i do I, I don't know i feel like it's maybe a little cliche but it's that's that's just who i am and that's what i continue to want to do but yeah It's awesome,
1: man. Well, we appreciate your authenticity, brother. and We appreciate you being on here. And uh, man, like we're we're definitely going to do a lot of things together. I feel like with the things that we're involved in and you're welcome anytime. Uh, How can people continue to follow your own personal journey and connect with you?
2: Yeah. So um, first off, like I very much appreciate being on the show. Like it's uh, like, uh, you know, I'm not I was never going to. Like, message and be like, hey, I want to come on. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, maybe I'll come on one day. And then, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, it's just Sunny Sacon, but like with two Y's because other Sunny say cons out there, um, Facebook. And then, uh, you can still like find me at Henry Singer and you can still find me at Free Play and then Brick Hockey. So, those are my three things. And at any given time, you just reach out to me and I'll see See everyone at one of them. So, Love it, man. Well, there
1: you have it, folks. You know what? Everything from parenthood to uh, what's going on in the world with current events to uh, Free Play for Kids. We talked about it all today. Mm-hmm. So uh, if this episode resonated with you or you feel like a loved one definitely needs to hear this, please share it. Like us, subscribe on all platforms, and uh, definitely give Sunny on and Free Play for Kids some love. Thank you, and uh, that's a wrap.